You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell, and we're going to talk about the Colts and Giants. Colts didn't put up much of a fight in that one, but we'll do a quick game summary. We'll discuss takeaways, and we'll also see where Indianapolis stands in the draft order. But first, Mike, let's start the show by discussing the quarterback change. Jeff Saturday on Monday has come out and said that it will be Sam Ellinger starting uh, Sunday against the Texans, in large part because of the hit that Nick Foles took in the second quarter against the Giants. Um, Kayvon Thibodeau, the fifth overall pick of the Giants, comes through unblocked. Nick Foles, I'm not sure he even saw him. Um, hit Nick Foles. Nick Foles apparently landed on the ball and came away with a rib injury. If you watched the game, uh, you saw Thibodeau doing snow angels on the ground in celebration next to Nick Foles as Foles was writhing in pain. I think he actually bumped Foles a few times. So Ellinger will start against the Texans. And then, Mike, you spoke to Jeff Saturday today um, who had some not so nice things to say about uh, uh, Thibodeau's reaction to his sack. Yeah, he called it tasteless and, and trash. And what needs to be pointed out is he wasn't calling Thibodeau trash and tasteless. It was a celebration. There is a difference. But what 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 struck me at the time, and Jeff Saturday mentioned it today, was no, not one Colt went to Foles' defense. I mean, I can only imagine what Jeff Saturday or Tarek Glenn or Ryan Deem or Ryan Lozier would have done if somebody blindsided Peyton Manning and while Manning is down trying to collect himself and, and feel what body parts are missing, that guy was celebrating right next to him. You know, that that's one where where you had – it could have been a receiver. It could have been a tight end. It could have been anybody, running back. Somebody come to the 80 or quarterback. We saw that later in the game when – Daniel Jones kind of got outside the pocket and got about a yard or two. And remember, Bobby Okereke was penalized unnecessary roughness. He flew over him. as That's one of those really tough where the quarterback's sliding and their defender has to kind of go over him. And two or three linemen came, and they were going after Okereke. And that's what you want. I mean, it's it's worth, it's worth getting a 15-yard penalty or even – yeah, it would take something egregious to get somebody thrown out of the game. But your guy is laying there, you know, in in serious duress. And what do you, what's your what are the ten players doing? I mean, that that's what struck me, and and that bothered Jeff Sarri too. He said, he said I'm going to tread lightly with this because he wasn't going to go too heavy publicly. But he was obviously PO'd about this, and he said he will address the offensive lineman. Uh, individually or collectively, whichever. But you just you just don't – non-reaction is not an option when your quarterback is down and the guy who put him there is doing snow angels. Thibodeau said – he indicated he didn't know Foles was there and was injured. Like you mentioned, you go back and watch the video. His hand hits Foles three or four times. And then Foles gets to the sidelines, and they take him off on a, in the locker room in a cart. And Thibodeau goes to the sideline and does the hands to the, his cheeks saying, you know, I put him to sleep. That's just, you know, 
it's one thing to celebrate a great play, which it was. I mean, of course, they didn't block him, so, you know, how great of a play was it? But there, there's ways to react, and that wasn't one of them. And I'd love to be a fly on the wall when Jeff Saturday talks to his offensive linemen because that wasn't right. Yeah, you know, it would have been one thing if maybe Thibodeau got up a few yards away and did a little dance or something, not looking at Nick Foles. But while the guy is there, clearly in pain, I mean – Rib injury has to hurt very bad, and before you could even know what the injury was, you saw Nick Foles clearly in pain there. Even if Thibodeau didn't, maybe he didn't know in the moment that he was hurt, he had to know that Nick Foles, he was laying right next to the guy and hit him multiple times. Uh, And then, you know, they didn't seem as concerned about his health when he was doing the put him to sleep uh, uh, dance or, I don't know, signal or whatever you want to call it on the sideline. So... Um, definitely not a good look from a young player in Thibodeau. Hopefully he kind of learns fr- something like this, that there is a time and a place for all this. A- as far as the Colts' offensive lineman reaction, j- this team just seems dead. I mean, that that's what I get out of this. This team seems just as ready to walk into the offseason and be done with this season as most of us are. Um, I- I'm very surprised not one player. Q, Big Quentin Nelson, didn't do anything. A- and let alone the players. I mean, that was a kind of not that I usually call for this sort of thing but that was the kind of instance where you go with the referees throwing flags of taunting if I've ever seen a taunting penalty it's doing snow angels right next to the player that you just injured like I'm surprised that nothing came of that except for the aftermath with the coach being upset that no one came to Nick Foles' aid it doesn't matter that he's the third quarterback to start for this team I mean it's still your quarterback that's the guy that your job is to protect, and uh, that they, they they sure didn't go to bat for him on that one. So it's disappointing to see. That's where it, it, it's a little bothered. Not a little. It's a lot bothersome when, when the coach after the game, or even it wasn't today, didn't come up, but how they're still fighting this team and, and all that. Well, th- that's the time. It's time and place. You know, it, it, it's when it's 38 to 10 or whatever, okay, sometimes you make business decisions on tackles or whatever. But when your quarterback, when a teammate, let's not, quarterbacks get the most of the attention. But when any of your players get gets put in that position, and that includes the celebration, you do something. I mean, how, how many times have we seen, I don't know if he's on the field or not, but how many times have we seen Michael Pittman go after somebody, whether they rip his helmet off or whether he's reacting to, to what happens to a teammate? It's just a bad look. And it, it, it's an even worse look because this team is doing my math four, what is it, four, 11, and one? The, the, seven, yeah. the 17 games messes me up. It, you got to carry the one. <laughs> yeah, it, it's such a bad look. And we'll see how the players react on Wednesday when we get them. But it's clear that the, 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 the interim coach wasn't pleased, as he should not have been. Not only did they lose 38 to 10, but now that's what we're talking about is that they stunk and didn't have the right reaction to go to bat for their teammates. So definitely a bad look for Indianapolis. Not, uh, it's like week after week, we're seeing more and more evidence that maybe Jeff Saturday is not the right guy for the head coaching position. Although none of this matters. None of what we have to say matters at all. It all comes down to Jim Ursay. And uh, maybe a little bit of Chris Ballard can get his opinion in there, too, for the head coaching spot. We'll talk a little bit more about that later, because right now we're going to go ahead and recap 
this game. Don't worry, I'll make it quick. No Yannick Ngakwe in this one. He was placed on IR the Saturday before the game with the throat injury. Mike, so he picked that up against the Chargers, and then it just over the course of the week wasn't something that was feeling better for him? Or Well, what we were told uh, by a team spokesman is that he got the injury against the Chargers. He practiced all week. He, you know, I think Wednesday was a walkthrough. We practiced Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then after Friday evening or whatever, maybe Saturday morning, but the the injury just sort of e- either flared up or got worse. And it was it's just you just hardly ever see a throat injury. I remember several years ago. Remember uh, the defensive lineman Anderson, his first name. Yeah, Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson had a throat injury, and it was serious. Where you know, I think it was esophagus and. And you know there was there was you know trouble breathing and all that, so it was it was strange to see. But anything now that that's why it's sort of crazy that they've not placed Kenny Moore on IR. We can talk about that at a, at a later time. But I mean, he's missed three or four games with an ankle, and why would you play him now against Houston? But it, it's losing in Gakway hurt because they got very little pressure on Daniel Jones, who, who's tough to get anyway, but. Just a just a bad set of circumstances all around. Yeah, so no, no Ngakwe. Nick Foles making his second start as a Colt, and it did not go much better than the first. In fact, for him, it actually went worse. He ended up leaving the game on a cart. Uh, so the team start the game by trading punts. On Indy's second drive, they accomplished two things that they failed to do against the Chargers. They converted a third down, and they completed a pass of 20-plus yards that came in the form of a 49-yard bomb down the field to Paris Campbell, the Colts' longest passing play of the season. Campbell went up and made a highlight reel catch for Indianapolis. Mike, this was the kind of big play the Colts were hoping to get when they made uh, Nick Foles the starter. It's never a good good thing that you get your longest reception of the year in the next to the last game. And that it's only 49 yards. They've had four 40-yard completions. And while it was great to see, the only problem is it was it was a sort of a jump ball. You know, th- this team cannot have one where they get a guy who gets behind a corner who or who turns a 15-yarder catch in, in, into a you know a, a run and catch touchdown or whatever. So uh, you take him when you can get him, but that just sort of exemplifies what's wrong with his offense is it took a jump ball and a great catch by Paris Campbell to even get the 49-yarder. Yeah, and then after the 49-yard catch, first down at New York's 14, but the Colts unable to find pay dirt. Jeff Saturday decides to kick a field goal on fourth and one from the five. Mike, you think that had something to do with the failed quarterback sneaks uh, in previous weeks? Probably. Uh, his, his explanation was because they lined up to go for it, and then he called a timeout. He said they didn't, they didn't like to look that the Giants gave him for the play they had called. And I guess my reaction is, is fine, call a timeout and go to another play. <laughs> you know, is, it, is that the only play you had for that situation? If so, then I have questions about your play calling. So I, I understand getting points, but as we all, as all Colts fans knew at the time, as most Colts fans knew at the time, how often are you going to get down there? So I, I would have been okay with going for fourth and one. And if you don't make it, you got to push back. And if you do make it, maybe maybe from the three, you'll, you'll punch it in. I don't know. Maybe they would have had 
fourth and goal from the one. Who knows? I might have gone for it because how often do you get down there? And this offense has struggled so so much all season. Yeah, I think I take your side on that one, although it would not be surprising if uh, they only had one play that they felt good about and all the others, you know what, just, just turn to McLaughlin. He seems to be the only thing that works in this offense this year is Chase McLaughlin's uh, leg. So if the Colts, behind McLaughlin's leg, take a 3 to nothing lead, and that lead would disintegrate quickly. Daniel Jones led the Giants to a touchdown on their next two drives. He was efficient with his arm and leg in this one. Meanwhile, the Colts' next two drives ended with a punt and a Nick Foles pick six. Foles misses receiver towards the sideline. The pass was behind him, and safety Landon Collins made him pay. Returned it to the house. After the kickoff, Foles trying to atone for his mistake. He faces a third and four near, near midfield, and that's when he takes that hit from Thibodeau. Uh, blindsided. There was a blitz on the plane, so Ryman uh, took the man Coming inside, which is what you're supposed to do. You got to block inside out. He picks him up. Thibodeau has no one blocking him and just gets a clean shot on Nick Foles. Um, Ellinger would eventually get into the game, but the Colts had to punt at that point anyway. 50 seconds left in the half. Matt Hawk kicks just a 22-yard punt. He really struggled in this one. That set the Giants up at the 39 which meant with about 45 seconds, all of a sudden the Giants are thinking they can get some points before the half here, and they do. They manage a field goal to make it 24-3 to at halftime. Giants get the ball to start the third quarter. Very first play, Bobby Okereke punches the ball out, Darius Leonard, or Shaq Leonard style, excuse me, punches the ball out of Darius Slayton's hands. Colts dive on it and take over at the 30. But Ellinger and the offense can't do anything with it. They gain just one yard and settle for a 48-yard Chase McLaughlin field goal. No good. He hooks it wide right. That's just how everything went for the Colts today. Nothing could go right for Indianapolis. Danny Dimes then back to work. 41 yards passing on this drive and 21 yards rushing, including an 18-yard rushing touchdown to make the score 31-3. to at this point, the Colts finally get a drive together. Indy goes 68 yards in 16 plays, including two fourth-down conversions. The drive took over eight minutes off the clock, and it ended with a six-yard Michael Pittman Jr. touchdown. That's Ellinger's first touchdown pass of his career, and it snaps a streak of 30 offensive possessions without a touchdown. Mike, I know it was meaningless at this point in the game, but it was nice to see the Colts finally get into the end zone. I guess it's probably better. It, <laughs> I was probably more pleased that Ellinger got his touchdown and Michael Pittman gets a touchdown. It's been an, I was going to say an all for year. That's not right. It's been a very frustrating year for Michael Pittman. He's, he's got, he's got 96 catches. He's four away from being like the fourth Colt to ever get a hundred. And no one's paid attention. Because and he's probably not even going to get a thousand yards. He, and I've got the stats here buried in all my stats. He's going to be like just the third receiver in history with uh, with a hundred catches and, and not a thousand yards. I think Keenan Allen did it, which is surprising to me. And I think, I think Jarvis Landry and the guy in, Mi- and the guy in Miami. Now, yeah, right. Now there've been a couple of running backs to do it, but for your for your number one receiver to not crack a thousand yards and, and it's because they cannot get the ball down the field i don't they just can't do it 
So, you know, good for Alan Green, good for Pittman. But at that time, I'm sure that in, in 20 years, Eldridge is going to have that on his, his mantle and say, there it is, there's, there's number one. Number one of however many, I don't know. And nobody's going to care that it came with him trailing by like a zillion points. No, and I, I will say, talking about showing fight, Michael Pittman Jr. showed fight on that drive. He, I think he made a tremendous bobbling, bobbling catch uh, on fourth down to s- later set up his touchdown catch. He was jawing back and forth with the Giants defenders. No quit in Michael Pittman Jr., uh, Giants next drive. Um, the Colts had him stopped with a fourth and three, but Indy lines up offsides on the field goal attempt of to give co- New York. Of course they do. Of course they did. Cause why wouldn't they it gives New York another fresh set of downs. A few plays later, Daniel Jones runs it in from 10 yards out for his second rushing touchdown. That's 38 to 10 early in the fourth quarter, but this game was done. That would pretty much do it. The Giants, uh, start bringing up their backups. Tyrod Taylor got into the game, and of course the Colts can't score anymore. Final score, 38-10. to 10. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. Hometown Windows and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. All right, Mike, so Nick Foles has already been ruled out for Sunday's game, and it will be Sam Ellinger in that one. Um, Also, cornerback Brandon Faison. Went down with a concussion against the Giants. Um, his condition will need to be monitored throughout the week to see if the Colts will then be down three cornerbacks against Houston between Faison, Kenny Moore, and Isaiah Rogers, who was placed on AR, uh, IR, that is, last week. Was there any other injuries in this game that I missed, Mike? None that I noticed. Now, again, when, when you have a game like that, you tend to, your attention tends to stray, but I don't think so. And, 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 and with Faison, likely doesn't play. I mean, with a concussion, we'll see. And and I just don't know why you push a guy back now that's had a head injury, and I'd just be surprised if he plays. Yeah, it sounds like we we'll, might see even more of a, a, um, a Flowers, right? I'm blanking on the name. Flowers from Pittsburgh State, who was already singing crazy playing time with Isaiah Rogers out, had a chance to t- uh, intercept Daniel Dimes early in the game, but the, between the sun and the pass going right between his eyes, was not able to haul that one in. All right, Mike, let's go ahead and look at takeaways. Takeaway number one, and we've kind of discussed it off the top, but this team just looks done. The defense gave up 31 points. They let Daniel Jones have his way with them. Jones, 19 of 24 for 177 yards and two touchdowns passing. Also had 11 runs for 91 yards and two more touchdowns. Colts got zero sacks in this game. O'Karake's forced fumble was the only turnover. Meanwhile, the offense mustered up just 250 total yards, 10 points. They allowed defenders to do snow angels next to their injured quarterback. Um, and even the special team struggled. Uh, McLaughlin, who's been so good for the Colts all year, missed the 48-yard field goal. And then 
Matt Hawk was just shanking punts left and right. Mike, it feels like every three or four games, Hawk has a game where he just cannot get good contact on the football. And that's probably why he was available. I mean, you want you don't ask a lot, a lot of plays from your punter, and you just can't have him. The twenty-two yarder it gave up points at the end of the half. You just can't do that. And you look at this team, the the thirty-eight points that you're losing by more than twenty again. It, it they, they drive me crazy trying to find significant stats, and they're they're always there. They've given up. They've been beaten by twenty or more now four times. Two by two with Reich and two by Saturday with Saturday. First time since two thousand seventeen. In Frank Reich's first four seasons, they lost by twenty. I think it was once. So you know, get, getting rolled tells you something about your team. Early the early you know effort and all that wasn't an issue. It was talent, and now maybe it's a little bit of both. And, you know, it's really crazy. I think the Minnesota Vikings ripped the heart out of this team. I really do. Since the Colts led 30, remember the 33 to nothing? Remember that? Sure do. They've been outscored 97 to 16 since then. Uh, And and that's just a sign of a broken franchise. The the offense has been broken from the start. It it just has. It obviously doesn't matter who the quarterback is. And now the defense is just, it's wearing down. And what you're, they're without Kenny Moore, Shaq Leonard, Taekwon Lewis, Yannick Ngakwe. Who, I don't know who I'm missing. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing. Uh, Isaiah Rogers. Isaiah Rogers. Uh, so let's say five frontline players. And I know people are going to say, well, this is an indictment of Chris Ballard's roster building. But when you... And I'm not defending Chris Ballard, but when you lose, when you're without five frontline players on defense or on offense, it, it really brings into play your backups. And yes, you need better backups, but backups are backups for a reason. Very seldom do you have four starting caliber corners. You just don't. So it's just, it's, that's why I said, I've been saying for a couple of weeks, let's just get this over. So the rebuilding process, and it's going to be massive can begin because until it's over, you can't start moving forward. Yeah, going ahead and through these takeaways here, you know, it's at this point in the season, it's so hard to find new ones. I had to make a takeaway for the Giants. Giant win for New York. They clinched first playoff berth since 2016. At 38-10, to it was the largest margin of victory in the history of the Colts-Giants series. And it's the first time this season that New York won by multiple scores. The Giants won by a combined total of 43 points during their eight wins heading into Sunday. New York beat the Colts by 28 alone on New Year's Day. On Thursday, Mike, we talked about how New York just wasn't blowing teams out and the Colts should have a chance at the end. Well, I guess they just hadn't played the Colts yet. It's all about who you play and when you play them. Or at least with the Colts, who you play. Because right now, it doesn't matter if you play them early. Remember Jacksonville, 24 to nothing, or late. 54-19 or 39-36 in overtime or 38-10. to 10. Let's just get this over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, getting the takeaways over with. This loss is the latest blunder in a long, dark stretch for the Colts. Indianapolis has lost six straight for the first time since 2017, and they've lost nine of their last 10. 
scored one touchdown or less for the 10th time this year and 20 points or fewer in 13 of 16 games. On the season, the Colts have scored the third fewest points, and they've only scored two more than the last-ranked Broncos. Uh, Fourth fewest yards per game, most turnovers by quite a bit with 31, and the defense has now allowed the fifth most points at 24.7 points per game. Um, Mike, can you remember a Colts team with such high expectations performing so poorly? I was just flipping through my media guide because the years tend to run together. Probably after they reached the AFC Championship game in, what was it, 14? And they got waxed. I believe and so. Got, and, you know, deflate gate with New England. And then it's when they, they sort of went all in to some degree with free agents, veteran free agents, the Andre Johnsons and Frank Gores and Todd Harriman's and uh, uh, who was the linebacker for, or the end from uh, Philly. Trent Cole. Trent Cole, yeah. And they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. So that team probably had higher expectations because they had a quarterback. You know, luck, luck was playing. Uh, but to have a season, let's you, you want to remind people, the Colts were the preseason favorite in the AFC South. Now, it, it wasn't a large, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, the, the unquestioned favorite. But and as it's turned out, what's going to win the division? Eight and nine or nine and eight, depending on whether Jacksonville or Tennessee. If Tennessee wins, a team with a losing record wins the division. So it's 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 so easy to to play armchair quarterback and all that. What if they don't bench Ryan when they did? I think they were three five and one. I think when when they when they benched him. Maybe that maybe that's wasn't quite three. Maybe it might have been three, four, and one. Three, maybe three. Anywhere, anyway, they, they they were there, and I understand getting away from Ryan, the sacks and the turnovers. You just you just it was hard to live with him. But as I sit here today, he's still their best chance to win, turnovers and all, and and and, and lack of zip on the ball and all that. He's still their best chance, but. As far as disappointments, this team, with the way the AFC South has gone, it was right there. It was it was just it was just begging for somebody, a crappy team to win. And there's every chance that a bad team isn't going to win the division. Although right now, Jacksonville's playing pretty darn well. Yeah, Jacksonville has won four straight. The Titans have lost six straight, and they'll play at Jacksonville Saturday at 8:15 p.m. to decide the AFC South champion so lots of meaningful football being played around the league this upcoming weekend need new windows let the hometown team help hometown windows and doors is central indiana's premier locally owned full service anderson dealer with master installers from design to installation we handle it all carrying nationally known brands like anderson with more options and competitive pricing Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. The Colts will play the Houston Texans on a game that has only implications for draft order. The Colts, after this past weekend, stand pat at fifth overall 
Atlanta's last-second game-winning field goal over Arizona kept the Colts from moving up to fourth. But the win also gives the Atlanta Falcons their sixth win of the season, and it gets them off the Colts' back. So now Atlanta, who very well might be in a quarterback market, um, does not have a chance of getting ahead of the Indianapolis Colts unless they trade up. So looking at the order here, you got Houston, Chicago, uh, Seattle, who has Denver's pick, Arizona, Indianapolis, and then Detroit, who has the Rams pick. So even if the Colts find a way to beat the Houston Texans, the worst Indianapolis can end up in the draft order is six. If the Colts win and the uh, Rams win, the Rams play Seattle at Seattle, and I believe Seattle uh, is still fighting for a wild card spot. I think they currently hold the wild card spot, but there's a couple of teams, including the Detroit Lions and I believe the Green Bay Packers, right on their tail. So Seattle's going to have to play uh, to win in that game. So if the Rams lose and the Colts win, they will flip those two spots and the Colts will be in the sixth spot. Um, they have a chance to move up if either Denver or Arizona finds a way to win and the Colts lose to Houston. Mike, looking at this here, um, it, it looks like the Colts, you know, guaranteed to pick anywhere between three and six. Uh, definitely shaping up to be in position to get their next quarterback this spring. I think what we're going to start discussing is what it's going to take and whatever it's going to take, whatever it takes, you do it. But what it's going to take for the Colts to move up from five, maybe even three, to to two or one, not one because Houston's not going to give up that first pick. But what's it going to take to move up with Chicago to get that second pick so you get your guy? You get your guy. Well, if Houston beats Indianapolis and the Bears lose to Minnesota, Chicago will have the first pick. And I don't – and still, it, don't you? We've talked to Joel Erickson a lot, and he's he's won me over. If there's a guy that you just love, and let's say Chicago's at one and they don't need a QB, you just move up. You, you take what you get, you give up whatever it takes. The problem is, if somebody wants the same guy or wants to move up to one, they may have more ammunition than you do. That that would be the only thing. But but if there's a guy that you really like, and you're sitting at like five or six. You don't say, boy, that's a lot to give up. You just do it. Because until we talked to, to death about this, and we will in the offseason, until you get that guy, nothing matters. You know, and it's crazy. I look at Justin Fields in Chicago, and I still wonder if he's the guy. I, so you just don't know what he's got. A thousand, he's got 1,100 yards rushing, and he's not a very consistent thrower. Give me a quarterback, a young quarterback, who's mobile and can run, but doggone it, can throw the football. This is a passing league, and it's great that this quarterback's got this many rushing yards, blah, blah, blah. Throw the ball. Throw the ball. And like you said, the Colts will have a chance to get one of the top three, don't you think, without any any – they're going to get one of the top three. And you hope that you don't have to settle for number three if that's not who you like because you're putting – if it's Chris Ballard, which we've been told it will be, you're putting your future in the hands of this guy and this pick. 
So, uh, but again, they're in position that they've played poor enough all season to put themselves in this position. So they've got to cash in on it. Yeah, because you don't know when the next time, you know, it, it's been almost hard to play this poorly watching this Colts team. You they're, don't know the they're, next... they're not purposely tanking. They're not. They just, they're just, <laughs> they're that bad. They're, they're 4 11 and 1 because they are that bad. Yeah, which is just hard to imagine uh, heading into the season with the, all the expectations. Well, Colts have seven pro bowlers last year and then added more in the offseason with guys like Ngakwe and Stephon Gilmore. And, yeah, everything just fell apart this year, largely because the offense was just a mess. Um, and so they they need a new leader on that offense. Is it going to be C.J. Stroud, someone who looked terrific against a very talented Georgia defense on Saturday, is it going to be um, somebody like Will Levis, who has all the tools you could ask for at the quarterback position? Maybe it'll even be um, Bryce Young from Alabama. I know there's a lot of question marks around his height, and that's become less and less of a big deal in the NFL. But as someone who probably stands about five foot ten, do you feel comfortable with someone of that size being your? Your signal caller. I don't know if Houston does. I don't know why they wouldn't after seeing the success of guys like um, Kyler Murray come into this league and put up big numbers and um, ha- have big performances. But there's going to be a lot to go into who is the guy of these three guys in this quarterback class. And also, are all three good? Do, you, do, you, do the Colts, if they really don't believe in Levis and he's the only one there, and Stroud and Young are taken, do they by any chance go and take an offensive tackle or, or something like that? Could you see that, Mike? Yeah, I could. And and that's one where the GM would have to say, listen, guys, yes, we need a quarterback, but we're, not too, we're just not going to take a quarterback to, 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 to quiet you down. Because, you know, if it's the wrong guy, if it's the same Darnold type of guy or – who knows one of the young guys recently, all you've done is set your franchise back even further. They're already going to be set back. Let's say they hit on this guy. This guy is, I'm not saying Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck, but he is a legit starting quarterback, top 10-ish type guy. It's still going to be a year or two before you see the dividends of that. So if if, if you don't like the guy, boy, do you take a left tackle, do you take if, if it's not a quarterback, it better be a left tackle or a pass rusher because <laughs> that's those are the positions. But then you darn sure better have, well, we didn't take a quarterback because we're going to do this. We're going to get a guy in the second round of the third round. And then, you know what, we're going to sign Derek Carr and, and or, or fill in the blank. But if, if they have even – 50-50, 70-30 belief in a young quarterback. Boy, they've just got to take it. You do, because we, we, we've seen recycling through veteran quarterbacks has done for this franchise. It, it, it's gotten literally worse and worse each year that they've tried to do it. That being said, I wouldn't put it past Chris Ballard to look over at uh, uh, Derek Carr, someone who it's been reported the Colts have inquired about in off-seasons past. Uh, I had someone bring it up to me. Well, what if they signed Derek Carr and then also drafted a quarterback with one of those top picks? 
Um, could you see something like that happening, Mike, where maybe they try and still win now and also set themselves up uh, in the future at the same time? Yeah, except they're not winning now. I mean, now, now. Yeah, whatever they do, if they get their guy to start or to, to be here for next season, I don't. I haven't seen enough of these of, of draft analysis whether Stroud or Young are are opening day ready or not. Maybe they are, maybe they are, but I think you still are looking before the draft. Aren't you still looking for a veteran guy? Well, you have to because Foles isn't going to be here next year. He came here for Frank Wright, and besides that, he can't breathe. You know, and, uh, and I'm sorry to make I shouldn't make light. Of that. I'm sorry. But and Matt Ryan won't be here next year. I mean, if he if he's not here, he if he's here, he costs you thirty five million. If he's not here, he costs you eighteen. So do the math. But having said that, you've got to have a veteran guy. It's not going to be Sam Ellinger. So you need to have a guy who can win now, like you say. And we'll see who that is. It's going to be the same guys. It's going to, now Derek Carr was unavailable last year. But it's going to be the Andy Daltons or the Marcus Mariota type guys. It's going to be that, you know, the bridge to get to to give your rookie guy a chance to get ready. Derek Carr seems more like more than a bridge because I think I think he's still got probably three or four years to play. But it's just going to be so interesting what they do. There will be a rookie quarterback here, and there will be a veteran quarterback that's not here yet. Gotcha. Well, you know, we got one more week of football left for the Indianapolis Colts before we can fully dive completely into offseason mode. Um, by this time next week, we'll know exactly where the Colts are picking in the top 10 there. Top six, really, um, is what they've locked themselves into now. Join us on Thursday as we talk more about this Colts Houston Texans uh, uh, matchup, a game that all of a sudden, you know, we were talking about the Texans having that first overall pick locked up. Not so fast because Chicago uh, has been doing their best to stay in the race for the first overall pick. Justin Fields, as exciting as he is with his legs, not getting a lot of wins for the Windy City. So be sure to join us on Thursday as Dave Griffiths hops on in and we discuss the season finale for the Indianapolis Colts. Until then, follow us on Twitter at Colts Blue Zone so you can keep up with news and notes throughout the week. You can follow Mike individually at mchapel51. Please subscribe and download for us. And you know what? Take it easy out there, Colts fans.